What's up, everybody? It is Soccer Chat, your weekly coaching podcast. We've got some great friends and support to show. Check them out. Dutigbrand.com for all your coaching accessory needs. Make sure to use the promo code SOCCERCHAT at checkout and get yourself a sweet discount by going over to Dutigbrand.com. Also, shout out to our friends over at Torx, T-O-R-R-X.com for the world's greatest ball pump. You're going to love it. I think that's now 52 weeks or something like that straight that I've said that phrase. But trust us, you are going to like it. Uh, I just had some friends recently purchase theirs. They've gotten them and they absolutely love them. And when you've loved them, make sure to go on Amazon and leave them a five-star rating and review them. Make sure to let them know that the Soccer Chat Boys sent you over to Torx, T-O-R-R-X.com. And big shout outs to our new homies over at Michigan Soccer Central. Great, great information about all things amateur soccer in the state of Michigan. Go check them out at MI Soccer Central on Twitter. He's Nick. I'm Sean. And, uh, you know, Nick, actually, I'm glad I'm, I can't believe I just remember this. I've had this in my mind for a week now. I was going to tweet you this to kind of get your mind going a little bit. Um, but then I thought I'd rather surprise you because I know that you enjoy that. So, um, as everybody knows, I'm a massive, massive college basketball fan. And my favorite, favorite time of year is what we are stumbling upon now of March Madness. Um, and you know, my team more than likely is not going to make the tournament this year, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to watch it. Like I still watch literally every single game. I'm the guy who on opening round weekend, you will, I will have eight screens at the same time watching every single game at the same time. Cause I'm ridiculous. So I was, I was playing basketball this weekend with Quinn and this question popped in my mind. And I was like, I'm going to ask Nick this because I want to see if he truly knows some of our friends or even other coaches that he may know of. So right now we're going to have a quick draft of a starting five of your all time soccer coaches, basketball team. So if oh, we're going to go play a game right now, five on five, actually we'll go five plus a sub. So you got to get your starting five plus a sub your team versus my team. We're going to ball. So I will even let you get the first pick. Oh gosh. All right. You did not prepare me for this at all. I was, I, I was, I guess I was just going to text you or I was going to tweet you and be like, Hey, we're having a draft. That's all you need to know. Um, I mean, I knew you're I the only it. person I think I've ever seen on. Oh, nope. All right. Sorry. I have a good pick for my first one, but you're one of two people. I think I've seen that has shot a basketball before. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm interested. I, so I just, cause when I thought about this in my mind, I was like, I wonder if Nick is just going to pick his friends or like, is he going to really like, think about it from a basketball standpoint. So who's your first pick? Coton Johnson easily. Co like I think Coton's a baller. Like, okay. okay. He, he, like he can play. He's easily my first pick in this just because he is one of two people I've seen shoot a basketball and he can actually, he, he can shoot it pretty good. Okay. Uh, I'm going to, I, I cannot believe you. My whole time. I was like, this is where Nick's going to go. Number one pick. I'm going Kai Edwards. Collegiate I, basketball I've, I've never seen Kai shoot a basketball. I don't know if he's good. He, we talked about it in the episode with him, how good he was. Okay. I've never seen him shoot it though. <laughs> okay. I've okay. seen Cohen shoot a basketball. Before. Now granted, I have not seen Kai shoot a basketball, but um, you know, pictures that I've seen of him in his basketball days playing at a high level. Um, I'm going to go with that. So who's your second pick? Second pick. <laughs> Just trying to think of really tall people. Um, let's go with, and this is a, this is a co-ed game too. Okay. I'm going to go. 
<laughs> I don't know if he's any good at basketball. I'm going Derek Willis. I know he's, I know he's got some. Derek size. is huge and he's a Kentucky boy. He, he might surprise you. I, that's, I, I feel like that's my next, I, I feel like I got it. I'm going, I'm going to the, the, or like the front court first. <laughs> okay. Well, my second pick, I was going to, I was going to play big as well. Uh, I'm going with Bruce Erickson. As Damn it. That was pick. my next pick. You son, you son of a gun. And I don't uh, know if Bruce can play, but his son can ball. So I'm just thinking that it's hereditary. Yeah. I mean, that was honestly my next pick. Um, gosh, you, you really put me down on the spot. Yeah. I don't think I've got, I've got a sleeper who's not been on our show. And that's you who I'm like, really not been on our show. Yeah. I said all time soccer coaches. Wait, like I can pick any soccer coach ever. I mean, if you want to go that far, I don't know if that helps me that much. Um, I'm like legit going through, you know, I'm going to go cliff Bush. I don't know if you're any good at basketball brother, but like <laughs> you're, I feel again, another guy that like I'm putting in the, I'm planting in the paint and he's, you're he's just good. playing nothing but ISOs down low right now. Yeah. I'm putting him in the paint. <laughs> okay. So you've got, uh, Johnson and Derek Willis and Clifton Bush. Yes. Uh, I've got Kai Edwards, uh, Bruce Erickson, and I am bringing in our enforcer. I'm going Don Crow. <laughs> I, I like, I would love to see Don Crow shoot a basketball. I don't know if she's ever done it before. I think, I feel like she could. I have zero doubt that she, I have zero doubt that she could. I just don't know if she, like, I don't know if Don played basketball growing up. She, she Don's an athlete though. So like, yeah. I feel like she'd pull it off. Yeah. Your fourth pick. My fourth pick. Again, like I like I'm gonna not go my friends because of the people I've seen play basketball before because no one will understand these references. Mm-hmm. Um gosh. I don't know. I'm just gonna I'm gonna keep I'm gonna go Chris Rich. Okay. Okay. I you know, I could see it. I can see it. I I again I've never seen him play. But I feel Again, like we're just going, I'm going, I'm, we're just going the bully lineup. Like I, am I in the team or no? That's up to you. It is up okay. to you. you get, I'm just, we're going a bully lineup. We're just going to make any starting out. five. And then you get one sub. Um, so you're going Chris rich. Uh, my fourth pick who is the sleeper in this whole thing, because I have witnessed them play basketball. I also know of like, their accolades from playing high school basketball um, and someone who's not been on the show, but I've been trying to get them on the show for a while now is um, the university of Evansville's men's head coach, Marshall Ray, Marshall Ray can flat out ball. Um, I've seen it in person. Uh, I, like I said, I also know of his accolades from when he was in high school. Um, when I was at UE, we used to play like lunch pickup games, like with various staffs uh, would all play. Uh, and Marshall can shoot the J uh, not only is he a big presence. So like we could technically play three people down low and match you up in your bully ball, but Marshall's got like that, like Dirk Nowitzki, like he can play low or he can play out high. Um, so that is my, that is my sleeper. I like that. I got one more pick. Yeah. Well, no, no, you got one more starter and then you get a substitute. Okay. I, and again, this is, I've never, I've never seen, her play basketball before, but I've, she posts on Twitter of her playing other sports occasionally and just looks like an athlete. I'm going to go Adrian Sorensen as my final 
round out the starting lineup. Wow. Wow. I've seen her. I like she she'll post pictures of her playing. I mean, she just seems like an overall athlete. She played softball and soccer in college. And she's been posting a lot of like pitching machine hitting lately. Yep. Yeah. Go with the athleticism there. Okay. Okay. So your starting five is uh, Coton Johnson. Yes. Derek Willis, Clifton Bush, Chris Rich, and Adrian Sorensen. Yes. The bullies, huh? Yeah. Minus Adrian. I mean, Adrian's a bully in her own right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) For my fifth pick, I really thought about this hard the other day. And this is going to sound really, 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 really bad. But we got to have somebody that can handle the rock. We've got to have somebody that can distribute, but also somebody that when we need some buckets has been known to get buckets. And I hate saying this, but I'm picking your boy, Sean Soderling with my fifth pick. I mean, I'm putting myself in my team for sure. So is that what you're doing for your sixth yeah, person? Absolutely. You're on the bench. Like I, I, we need someone to bring the ball up the court. So I'm, it's either me or a uh, code. And I guess could do a little bit, but it's either me or Adrian bringing up the ball. So yeah, no, I, I, I feel pretty good about it. I would, I think you and me, like just for people's, like for the people to see, we need to play a one-on-one game sometime. I don't know if you want that in your life. I want that in my life. You, <laughs> you, like, I feel like you underestimate how, like one, I'm actually not bad at basketball. And two, I'm pretty darn competitive, just like yourself. I think it would be a fun matchup for people. But you're also solidly average at every sport. Yes. No, like, again, I'm just never going to be the worst one on your team. <laughs> I, no, I, I, so the reason, and I was thinking of this when I thought about, Oh, I'll put myself on a team was because on Saturday when I was playing Quinn, um, you just have days where you're on fire and you, 100%. Cannot, you cannot be touched. And Saturday I was on fire. I bet Quinn and I put up two easily 200 shots on Saturday and, uh, or on Sunday. And, um, I was just, I was in the zone and I was like, this is what happened. Like, so we just put a basketball goal up at our house for anybody who's been following me on Twitter. Um, and I'm one of those people, like, if I have a goal at my house, like, I go out and I just shoot all the time. And I'm one of those, like, the more I shoot, it's just like my golf game. The more I play, it's just like, you get me in a, in a run, like, I'll run for a while. Um, and so I just, I felt, I was feeling myself while Quinn and I was shooting. I was like, yeah, my soccer chat, five on five, like, I'm taking myself. Because yeah. I also was like, Nick may pick me because he missed maybe like, okay, like, who all do I know has played basketball? Oh, I would for sure. Like if you gave me like, again, I, that's why I asked in the beginning, you're one of the only people I've ever seen shoot a basketball. So you would have for sure been in my, in my team, but I didn't get, but you didn't pick me though. I asked you if I could. And you said, no, no, you said, can we pick ourselves? I said, yeah, if you want to. Oh, I thought, all right. I was confused. I would have picked you for sure. You're one of the two people I've ever seen shoot basketball. You would have been in my team. Well, you had, you had two picks <laughs> of, of the people that you've seen and you didn't even take, you took one Dude, of them. I, if I got to redo this, then yeah, you and me are the ones bringing them. I've seen, you, I've seen you handle the ball. You and me are the ones bringing the ball up the court. Then I would just surround us with Coton and two monsters and we would have been fine. So my, my, my sixth player uh, who will rotate in, I'm also going the route that you went with Adrian of somebody that you've not seen them play basketball, but you've seen them be crazy athletic at other sports. Um, and I, I thought hard too, because I think that like that person coming off the bench is a game changer. They got to be a game changer. Yeah. And so again, I was like you, I was thinking, okay, like I, I, I couldn't think of anybody else who I knew of that had basketball 
but I knew there was a bunch of athletes, some multi-sport athletes that were coaches. And for our sixth pick, I'm going with Ashley Kaufman. Um, yeah. Seems, you know, a goalkeeper in college or in uh, soccer. I think, I believe a goalkeeper in uh, lacrosse as well, if I remember correctly, or whatever the keepers are called, goalies are called in lacrosse. And I know she played softball. Uh, she was oh, like, well, yeah, I mean, lacrosse isn't as pretentious as soccer where they're like, oh, you need to say goalkeeper instead of goalie. Yeah. Lacrosse is actually, they, they're goalies, not goalkeepers, but they, they don't seem as pretentious in that regard as soccer is for whatever And uh, I feel like, I feel like she said she played hockey. If I remember, I, I, I can't remember off the top of my mind. I mean, she's from Michigan, so I'm sure she played hockey. Um, and I, I don't know. I'm just like, well, she was like all state in every single sport that she played. She's got to be athletic enough. So I'm kind of yeah. going like with the Don Crow route, like let's go super, super athletic and, and roll the dice. So yeah, they probably figured it out before. So the Nick six, the Sean six, we're going to put it up on Twitter. Uh, and we want you guys to vote for which team you think would win the soccer chat March madness. And I know that some of y'all coaches who have been on our show or may are maybe friends with Nick and I, maybe not anymore because we didn't pick you. Um, as Nick said, he's only seen two people shoot a basketball. So and my, my, again, my allegiance to these people is very loose. So minus Coton, Coton's a solid starter, but everyone else, if you submit some video, I was like, going to, that's what I was going to say is, is send us your videos of you shooting a basketball. Uh, and I will, I will possibly let Nick, because I'm so confident in my six. I'm, I'm possible. If you guys send in videos, I might let Nick rearrange some of his, his lineup. Zero offense to my six, but I'm not confident in you. So you guys are, I mean, you need to submit your own videos to like, make sure you solidify your spot in our team. <laughs> it's a soccer coaching podcast. And we're talking about what five. So, and, and now in my mind, I'm like, okay, we got to do this pickup game in Kansas city. Like this has to happen. <laughs> That'd be so much fun. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, that's kind of what my, my thoughts were, but we have a really awesome show this week. Um, you know, I, I in uh, the, the convention for United Soccer Coaches back in January, uh, found myself attending so many more events that I, I normally don't get the opportunity to go to. And one that always stuck out to me that I wanted to attend uh, was something with the uh, LGBTQ Coaches Alliance or Allies Alliance. Um, and I, I went to their social this year through the virtual convention, and I just had such a good time. And then when we did our breakout rooms, uh, I went to the ally breakout room and I was just so moved and realized like there's so much more that, that I could do as an ally. Um, and so I just knew right then, like I wanted to get them on the show. Uh, and the cool thing is like three of the people that I remember the most from the social uh, are three that are joining us with just some incredible stories. And, you know, I, this is one where we talk about like our long interviews where we, we do a really long interview and we don't do an outro. So like, you know, kind of Nick for you, like before we get into the interview, what, you know, what's kind of your takeaway from, from this, uh, this interview that we did. I think my favorite part about the whole interview is immediately. Yeah. They said it on the show, but they said it before um, when we were talking, when we started recording is about how they're looking to meet people where they're at. They're not necessarily like trying to judge. They're not necessarily trying to, like have preconceived notions that everyone will understand this stuff. And I, I, I really appreciate that because it, it it's a show that again, it sounds bad. And I, I was nervous about because I, you don't want to, 
you want to make sure that you're being the best person that you can to them possible. And when you're ignorant about some of this stuff, it's, it's hard to know the right things to ask and the right things to say. And to me, it was just so comforting before the interview even started that they were just talking about meeting us where we were at and not necessarily judging us for what we did or didn't know and really trying to help us become the best allies that we possibly can for. So that way, when we go forward and speak to other people and our friends about this stuff, that we're going to be better advocates and better allies for them going forward. And that's the big thing too. I, you know, I, I know that for us, I don't really ever view any show that we do as controversial or anything like that. You know, soccer chat's a platform. It's a community for all people. That's something that we've said from the very beginning. Uh, it's a very uh, inclusive group. We accept you no matter who you are, where you are, what you are. Uh, and you know, I, I, I talk with cage on the show who you'll hear about his story. And I know some of you, when you hear his story, you're going to be like me and you're going to remember this video that he talks about. I, I sat there and as soon as he, he told the story, I knew exactly the video he, he, he brought up, uh, cause he was on a viral video from a couple of years ago. And, you know, it just, it opens up your mind to so many different things and you realize, um, Hey, like I have a platform as a coach to be able to be an ally, uh, for these friends. And that's what they are. They're friends. Um, and to hear how, they all experience with their current youth players and how their youth players are, uh, you know, how they talk about uh, their coaches and, and, and people of that community. You know, I, I brought it up to my wife tonight because to, she was asking, you know, who was on the show? Um, not that Casey listens to the show, but she's like, yeah, who are you talking to this week? Because um, she totally doesn't listen to the show. Um, and I told her, I was like, yeah, we're having members of the LGBTQ coaches uh, allies group. And I was telling her the stories of each of the individuals that we had on. And she was just like, that's so incredible. And there's a discussion that we have when, uh, you know, Nick brings up an awesome question about like, you know, as does it seem like the youth of our country is more accepting of being an ally and more accepting of the community, which they get into a really awesome, uh, you know, all three had a great answer to it. And I kind of brought my part up about, yeah, like I, I believe that as our kids become our age, this is, will this will be more accepted. And my, uh, and you'll hear, you know, about uh, my new homie junior from cage. Uh, he'll tell a story. I believe he was seven years old. Uh, and the discussion that he had with a friend of his, and my wife brought up that, you know, they were, uh, she was on lunch duty. I believe it was with first graders and, um, they, there was some cartoon on like the TV in the lunchroom or something like that. And, um, the band kiss was on this cartoon, which has nothing to do with the story, except for the fact that somebody said kiss, ew, that's gross. And somebody was like, well, not when a, a boy kisses a girl, it's not gross. And, uh, she said, and here's these first graders. And somebody spoke up and said, well, girls can kiss girls. And somebody else said, and boys can kiss boys. And they all were like, yeah. And they just like went, went about their day. And it just like her story, along with what we'll hear uh, in this interview, just kind of, again, you guys have seen me post it on Twitter. And I think I said it like three, four times in this episode, I cannot wait for the youth of this country to take over. I can't really wait for the youth of the world to take over. Uh, Cause it's going to be a much better place for my children uh, and your children as well. Um, so, uh, great episode. We're so happy to have done this uh, for you guys. And I was thinking about this, uh, earlier today, cause, uh, they kind of brought up their social in Kansas city and, and having Nick and I, uh, as a part of it at some point, United Star coaches is just going to have to have the everybody social and Nick and I host that. 
because uh, I think if we keep adding, which I don't mind us becoming the host of every single social uh, at the United Soccer Coaches Convention, I have zero problems with that. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll do it for you guys. We'll, we we'll totally make that sacrifice. <laughs> we will totally do it. Um, and there will be some of those that I pick and I say, okay, uh, I'm going to be the Nick and just show up. Nick, you're full creative on this. Oh God, um, that's, you know, that's when, <laughs> that's, when that, that's when soccer chat goes very, very poor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it just, again, such a great interview and not so much interview as more as it is educational and informative. And that's something that uh, Shalom and Cage and Jonas talk about is the consistency in education. That's where the, the acceptance has grown because of the more talking about it, the more communication about it, the more educating. And we wanted to use soccer chat as a platform that, for these coaches to educate myself, to educate Nick, maybe you who's listening to this right now. Um, you know, the whole time, I was so scared because I was like pronouns, 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 because that's a, that's the thing now. Like you've got to make sure you use the right pronoun. And so I forced myself just to kept saying you all or y'all, you all or y'all. And then I did say guys one time and I was like, crap. And I think Shalom had just said something about pronouns, like 20 minutes before I said anything. Um, so again, this is such a good interview. They'll give you all the, uh, the Twitter handle for them, uh, for their, 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 their organization at the end. But, you know, obviously we've got it tagged in the post with LGBTQ coaches, uh, go follow them. Super incredible people. Uh, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm a better coach now because of going to the social, because of learning, going to the breakout room and now having these coaches in my life. Uh, I, I feel like now, um, you know, again, I, I said this to somebody this morning about the cool thing about United soccer coaches is that there's a group for everyone. I, I was talking with one of our basketball coaches who's, who's uh, hearing impaired. And he was like, you know, I, I've met one coach who's hearing impaired like me in basketball. And I was like, man, like, I'm sure if you were a soccer coach, I'm sure there's a hearing impaired or, or a deaf coaches group. I'm sure there's a, uh, you know, we know that there's a Latinos group. There's a, a blacks group. There's the LGBTQ group. Um, you know, I'm sure I'm missing. I know there's tons of other advocacy groups um, out there. And so to be able to include everyone in this game that we love, I mean, it's the beautiful game and you can't have the beautiful game without beautiful people. So again, as we've said at Soccer Chat numerous, numerous times, Soccer Chat is community for everyone. No matter who you are, what you are, where you are, this is a community for you. We want this to be a safe space for you. Uh, we want this to be a place where you can communicate about soccer or talk about how Chelsea beat Liverpool. You know, we want this to be a place where everybody can come get together and just talk the beautiful game and talk our experiences and help each other out. So coming up, I just, I had to throw that dig in on Nick because I was, I, I'm normally very, very quiet about that stuff, but I just knew I needed to throw a dig. Uh, Nick, before we get an interview, if somebody wants to catch up with you on Twitter, how can they do so? At Coach and Rizzo. What about you, brother? And mine is at Coach Soderling. Don't stop listening. Keep listening all the way to the end. You're going to get something out of this. If you're going to do something for my birthday coming up in June or Nick's wedding coming up in May, listen to this whole episode. Illustrious guest, y'all. 
our good friends from United Soccer Coaches, LGBTQ Coaches Advocacy Group. illustrious guests that we have on here with you introducing you to coaches that we know coaches that we don't know because or coaches that we feel like you should know we've got a great group with us here uh we have and i'm going to get all these names right because we just come up with like great uh, uh not acronyms but uh, metaphors to go along uh we have with us jonas worth jonas like the jonas brothers He's the director of partnerships with You Can Play and assistant coach at Simon Fraser University with their men's soccer team. We have Cage Leitner, founding executive director at Portland Community FC, and Shalom Kimball, Girls Unite of San Francisco. Shalom, did I get that right? Shalom, yeah. Shalom, okay. I I knew there was going to be one name I would I would not do right, but I had to make sure that was the correct one. Uh, and they are members of the United Soccer Coaches LGBTQ coaches alliance and i got to i believe i remember talking to jonas on there i remember talking to cage and i show him you may have been on there were you on there during the coaches convention on the zoom Mm -hmm. okay um so that was my first social um with you all and i absolutely loved it um i went for the uh during the scavenger hunt i had the sentimental piece that i thought i was gonna make cage cry uh of the award that a kid uh presented to me at his senior award show uh, I thought I was just there to, to hang out with him and his family. And I really thought I was going to win the prize on that one. And then somebody had a Ronaldinho jersey. I was like, oh, all right, I'm out. Um, but, uh, you know, I, what we wanted to do was, was, you know, obviously have you guys on to talk about the council, talk about the things that you do as a group. But as Soccer Chat is, we got to kind of know how you got to this point in your careers now. So, like, let's start off with, uh, let's go with Jonas. So you're the first one I see. And in, in, let's get your, your soccer background. How did you get to where you're at now? Well, I have to hold you accountable on International Women's Day for not letting Shalom go first. But <laughs> my fault. Gosh. <laughs> That's all good. It's all good. Yeah, we're learning. That's the Thank point. Thank you. Yes. I appreciate it. I appreciate the shout out. I appreciate it. Hey, my if my wife was not if my wife was downstairs, she would like beat me the tar out of me right now. My fault. Well, the first thing I'll tell you about our group is we meet people where they're at and yes. we, we don't punish. We we're trying to open the door. So it's all good. All right. (laughs) Uh, Where, how have I arrived here? That's a really fantastic question because uh, I think it's because I, I I didn't learn to say no to anything until very recently. And so uh, I'm a bit of a journey person in in the game. Uh, Started out uh, mostly in university soccer, both men's and women's uh, way back in 2005. And I've worked in the NCAA and uh, North of the border in Canada uh, in both D1, D2, and D3. And, um, you know, to, to be quite honest with you, I 
always felt as a player and then later as a coach that the more people we could bring to the game uh, and the better we could make everybody feel in the locker room, the better we would perform. And, you know, later on, uh, even doing a master's in sports psychology, I learned the science behind it and I just applied it. And it, you know, it, it started to uh, open up opportunities to do more work on university campuses. And, and I started to do that and then collaborate with a couple of professional leagues, uh, including MLS and the NHL. And the You Can Play opportunity came along out of that. It was really my hobby, uh, you know, doing, making sure that uh, soccer spaces and sports spaces were safe and enjoyable, not just for the LGBTQ community, but all underrepresented communities uh, in the game of soccer. And uh, now I think, you know, being able to do both, uh, you know, currently with You Can Play during the day with all these major leagues, uh, but then also working with young men. I, I work with young men at a time where we, we still have to be uh, constantly reminding them about the dangers of toxic masculinity and, and being able to model that for my players. And now I also have young children, uh, one boy and a boy on the way. Shout out to uh, you. I think it's really important. And so that's, that's where I'm at. That's how I got here. So I'm going to flip the script on you a little bit. I was saving the best for last. That's why I was going to ask Shalom to go last, but you threw me under the bus and was like, ladies first, but I was trying to save the best for last. So I'm going to save the best for last. We're going to go to Cage. Cage, man, how did you get to uh, where you're at right now? Um, See the oh way how I turned that around on you, Jonas? There we go. That was good. <laughs> Shalom is that absolutely the best. Should be, should finish it all up for us. Um I, it's been a long and winding journey. Um, the first important thing for people to know who are listening, I don't think anyone's watching us on Zoom uh, later on, but listening um, is that I'm a queer trans person and people don't know that about me when they meet me. Um, they don't know that part of me. They, they look at me and think I'm just a, another straight white dude. Um, and sports is really what saved me. It's what saved my life. It's what gave me purpose. It gave me identity. Um, and I first got into sports, not with soccer, but with softball. It was my very first sport at the age of eight. I played for the peppermint patties. Not, okay. I, Nick and I go on <laughs> yes. about Becky Burley, her youth league team. I think when she was like 10 was the dingies. Dingies. Oh, gosh. We've always said that's been like the number one youth league name that we've ever heard however i'm gonna say a close second now is the peppermint patties honestly um, patties. i was on the sugar plums so oh the sugar oh, plums so <laughs> yep, clearly, we were a bunch of sugar and the best part is that we were a co-ed team so we were just a bunch of co-ed people <laughs> with little sugar plums i love it so clearly every youth coach like played uh what's it Candyland? Yes. Like it just seems yeah. like all those names are like something from like the, the board game Candyland. Exactly. Exactly. Well, so there I was peppermint patties at the age of eight. And I just, I fell in love with sports, just the idea of competing. And it also, I realized much, much later gave me an, an escape from all the anxiety and all the things I was experiencing as a young kid being not fitting in and people telling me I wasn't the right kind of girl and all these things. So it went from softball to basketball to soccer to volleyball. I was on the UW rowing team in college. I mean, I have thrown myself into athletics. Um, but what really got me to where I am now, where I'm running my own soccer club at Portland Community Football Club, is that I started coaching at the age of 15. 
And I fell in love with that, just like I fell in love with sports. I just absolutely couldn't get enough of working with kids, seeing them grow in the game, seeing them um, learn new skills and find out more about themselves and build their confidence and just all these things and just connecting with kids. And so I just kept coaching um, for years and I've been coaching essentially since then. It's been over 25 years at this point. Um, And then when it came time for me to figure out what was, what my next step was for me as a, as a human being and my identity as a trans person, I actually left coaching for two years because I couldn't fathom transitioning while coaching. Um, I was working with a girls team that were 12 year olds. I just envisioned just like the worst possible responses from parents. If I told them, Hey, this is my new name. This is the pronoun I'm going by. I'm going to start looking different, sounding different. I couldn't imagine how my colleagues were going to respond. So I just left. I just up and left and was like, this isn't the place for me. Um, and I eventually came back through the rec system. I was in the competitive system, came back to the rec system after I had transitioned somewhat and came back as cage and using male pronouns and looking essentially like I do now with facial hair and everything. Fantastic. And as I, thanks. And as I came back, um, I started really looking around in the Portland area where I'm at in Portland, Oregon. I started really looking around and recognizing who is not on these soccer fields. And the people that are not on these soccer fields are the black and brown kids, just off the top of the bat. And I realized after I'd already been working in some social work fields, I have a background in social work, master's in social work. I started putting those two worlds together and realized if low-income immigrant refugee kids are not getting equal access to healthcare, education, quality, food, all the things, they're probably not getting quality access to soccer either. And I, these two things just started melding in my mind. And that's how I created Portland Community Football Club. Um, so we are a competitive soccer club that is specifically geared to serving those communities And we center their needs and their experiences and the barriers that keep them out of the pay to play system at the very center of our organization. And everything we do um, starts there. Um, And we've been around since 2013. And we, you know, before COVID, we had about 115 kids in the club. When COVID hit, we did an immediate pivot and started doing food boxes to families microloans, no interest, uh, parents pay it back when they can. We've done over $8,000 in loans in that. We've done 167 food boxes. Um, this is my ultimate dream of how soccer and the, the unique value that brings people together under soccer can uh, flourish. And so that's what I do, part of my world. I also run a consulting business called Quantum Gender that talks about inclusion of trans and and all gender identities in sports and business, but for the soccer world, that's what I do. That's all. That's all hella cool. The Portland community FC may be my like new favorite club. Now I I love the idea behind it and the best for last Shalom. Shalom. Oh, okay. I, that, you, you, I like how you think that's a good save, but um, people are going to be, <laughs> be the best save in the world, but I'm going to give it to you now. Uh, so yeah, so, um, my name is Shalom Kimball and I work at, uh, in a club that's called Girls Unite. We're pre- predominantly at all 
girls club. We do have a couple boys teams um, because they just kind of came along. So perfectly candid, my wife uh, runs the club. I actually met her five years ago and we were friends and now she's my wife. Imagine Yo, that. shout yes. out to you guys. In, yeah, my, so in my research, was, you're like, did you just celebrate a year anniversary pretty recently? Uh, we did. We did. We celebrated on uh, February 15th. Oh. So we made it just just before COVID. Right. And uh, yeah, no, it's it's pretty amazing. She it ended up my best friend and I was her very first hire and now we're married. So. I might have more questions about that because I'm about to get married. Nick's about to get married. Like two and a half months. And I'm like, it's like, it's like getting like, it's hitting that point where it's like, oh man, this is like really happening. So <laughs> I, having someone that's a more recent marriage, I probably has some good advice for me going forward. Nick always says, Maybe. I'm, kid, Nick always says I'm his biggest like advocate of birth control of not having kids one day. And so I've been trying to like, as time has went on, like helped him out with this whole, like what it's like to be married type thing. And I, I, I think he's going, he's going to knock it out of the park, but I don't think he's, he's got very much self-confidence right now on it. <laughs> so well, I think what I had going for me was, um, like I said, we were best friends. Uh, we dated for a couple months and uh, then we got married a couple months later. So um, she had a 97 year old. Well, she has a 97 year. She, she's still around 97 year old, amazing little grandmother. And uh, we want to make sure that she saw the wedding. So, but nice. she's, she's going and still kicking. This was the most amazing woman I think I've ever Hell met. Yeah. Like she has life goals, uh, climbing on stools and doing things she shouldn't be. So, <laughs> Hey, I seriously, she may be the, one of the strongest women I've ever, I've ever met. And she may be pushing a hundred pounds with her clothes on. So um, anyway, so Girls Unite, uh, it, like I said, uh, we have a couple um, boys teams that um, came in with her. So she was asked to, uh, you know, start a club. She was like, sure, a couple, you know, team or two. And we ended up with more teams than that. But these boys came with her. Um, and but we all have all women coaches um, or all women identifying coaches. Uh, we also happen to be the most queer club and pretty much the most diverse club um, in the city, which is just mind blowing because we live in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, but our mission statement is specifically for those people who um, would, wouldn't regularly be able to play, right? So um, if there is some buy-in, but um, there, nobody gets turned away. We have rec teams, we have competitive teams. Um, I got into it because again, Cage, I was not that, that girl that everybody expected me to be, including my mother. She tried. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I went out and I always had a ball in my hand. And I think my mom was like, you have to do something else besides just pick up the balls at the stores. <laughs> um, it was kind of her fault though. She, so she definitely, she was an athlete when she was younger too. Um, and she would throw things at me and, and I would catch them. Uh, <laughs> so it was kind of on her. Uh, I was a goalkeeper, so she thinks that it's her. The reason why I was so good was because she used to throw things at me. She like she would just be like, "Hey, shalom," and it would shalom when it was already like halfway in the air to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it was all it was all in fun. But uh, she, yeah, she she got a kick out of how athletic I was. Um, I started playing, like I said, I on a sugar plum team uh, when yes. I was seven, and never turned around. I loved soccer. I slept in my jersey and my little shorts Yo! on Friday night. You know, I think we all did that. Yeah. Right, right. Everybody did it, and it always cracks me up when uh, kids don't, and they look at me like right. I'm crazy, and I'm like, "How are you just not pumped? How do you even right? like Friday morning, I was pumped. Uh, so uh, I ended up going to JC um, 
for anybody who's listening that is possibly in high school right now, please do school, no matter how good of an athlete you are. <laughs> I unfortunately got caught up in a system um, in a Catholic school where I played four sports and I played them very well and school did not need to happen. So I just kind of got pushed through a, through a system. Um, so I went to JC, which was great. Um, hey, Juco gang right here. I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, I went to JC. It was great. And then I ended up getting um, mono and I fell off, fell off the face of the earth. And randomly the coach from San Francisco state called and he was like, where have you been? And I was just like, I sick, I, you know? Like, <laughs> and so um, he asked me if I wanted to play. So that's, you know, I always wanted to come to San Francisco, but that's how I ended up in San Francisco. Um, and so I got to play. And then um, I never got to coach early. I coached one briefly, but I never got to coach early because I continued to play into um, at a decent level into I think about 26 and then blew out my knee and and then played other various sports because apparently I couldn't let it go. So <laughs> and now I'm at I think besides cage, I'm feeling your club, but one of the best clubs on the West Coast. <laughs> Absolutely. We're having yeah, a West Coast problem. battle here between these between these clubs. PCS oh, no, there's no battle. Oh, no. Cage and I, Cage and I are going on the road. We're yeah. going on the road. Yeah. We're gonna take our big gay soccer ball and we're gonna let everybody know that gay folks play soccer. Hell yeah. We got we'll it. Kentucky. My partner is is yelling in the background, going, Why not why are you not as cool as your colleagues? <laughs> <laughs> why are you coaching Jonas, college? To come to. Do something for the children of America. Jonas, you're <laughs> you, you, you can be you can ride along. So you mentioned, uh, me about, you know, about, uh, when you're a kid in rec league and, you know, wearing your Jersey to bed the night before true story after all these years at midnight before the first game, I still watch the big green. I have done it cool. since the big green come out. Uh, I remember as a kid had the VHS tape midnight, the night before the first game, I put it on, I watched it. And I have done it literally every year since I did it in college, got made hella fun of, but I was like, don't care. Like it's, it's, you know, it's tradition. It's only awkward if it doesn't work and it works. Um, so still this day, I still think the big green, like I say this all the time. I don't think a lot of soccer movies are done well in terms of like the quality of soccer. I think age graded, that is the best soccer movie in terms of the quality of soccer for the age group that you could possibly have. Right. Right. And I, so many people hate on that movie and I don't understand why just because Steve Gutenberg is deputy dog and doesn't play a very good sheriff. doesn't mean the whole movie. should be. <laughs> wow. I didn't, I don't know if that was, that would be the person that I would remember in that movie. I think every, I, okay. So on the count of three, say the name of the character that everybody remembers. All right. One, two, three. Juan Morales. Who'd you say? I said I don't Juan know Morales. What his name is. Yeah, I said I Juan know, Morales too. I don't know what his name was, but the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper. Oh, Larry. 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 Was, is that what the, you the said? Kid with the curly hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He's awesome. I also, there was a, I was always pissed because the Nick Anderson, the kid named Nick, missed his PK. And I just thought he was a poor representation of Nick's around the world. I was like, you jerk. <laughs> <laughs> you ruined this for all of us uh, in front of everyone. I was, it was really upsetting to me. That's the best part of having a name like Shalom. Like you're not going to ever get up. <laughs> no it's like, why you are right. horrible. <laughs> so let's, let's kind of get into the, into the group here. Um, you know, how, you know, kind of the history of the LGBTQ uh, United soccer coaches uh, group. I, like I said, this, this last convention, the social was my first one. 
Um, and you know, when I got on, the very first thing I saw uh, was Cage completely decorated all up, and I was hooked instantly. Um, and I it may have been the boas, uh, but I know for <laughs> sure the boas got my attention. I was like, this is like I'm in on this. I'm absolutely in on this. So I just started tweeting about it. And, you know, saying, you know, saying that I was there and, and, um, you know, all the cool stuff that you guys were doing with the scavenger hunt and then the breakout rooms were awesome. I was in Jonas's breakout room, uh, you know, for allies and, you know, just some of the stuff that I was hearing in the breakout room I was in just really like, man, I get it hit home. And like, I found myself actually in a very a situation, um, a couple weeks ago where, um, you know, my, my son goes to a different school than my daughter does. And his school is somewhat religious. Uh, it's, it's gotten pretty religious in the last couple of weeks um, because of this equality act that they're trying to fight. And they're sending emails out saying, you know, why we should be voting against it. And I, um, I, I'm in the car with my wife and I'm just like fuming. I'm like, I had to say something. I had to say something. I would feel horrible if I don't. And I tried using the power of Jesus against this uh, principal slash pastor um, who's also a music guy. So he like makes music videos when school's out. So he did like a frozen one there day. And I was like, oh, like that's pretty dope. And then he sends this email out about the Equality Act. I was like, you're not dope anymore. I, like your songs aren't even that good. Um, so I use the song that's currently out in uh, Christian hip hop called Love Everybody. And the chorus is love everybody, uh, treat others like a brother. That's a good hobby. And I was like, this is it. So I sent him this video and was like, look, you're all about music. Re check out the lyrics of the song, listen to it, and then go back and check out your email that you sent everybody. And so I probably wasn't the best representation to try to stand up, but I, I just like, I had to say something. And so for me, I learned so much from you guys' meeting that I was like, I've got to know more about it. How can we amplify and give you guys the soccer chat platform? So if you could just kind of the brief history um, of, of the, the group and, and how basically how we just did your guys' biogra biographies, like how did this group come about and, you know, to where it is now? Jonas, I, I thought like this was a Jonas you, question. But I, I feel like you <laughs> might be the best one to answer that because I, I don't know the full history, really. Well, and you know, it's interesting is I think uh, of the leadership group, we are the three newest. Uh, yeah. And so um, it started with our mentor, Dan Woog. Um, and, and I believe Bree, uh, who, Bree Smith, mm -hmm. who is the coach um, uh, over at Clark in uh, New England. Yes. Uh, approximately, you know, I don't know the exact date, but, you know, regardless of it, you know, they saw the need for um, this type of work because United Soccer Coaches has always been, you know, more of a coaching education uh, entity uh, than a, a governing body that pass or fails you. And they saw the need for, you know, the ability to, in your role as a coach, celebrate and allow your players to bring their true self to the soccer experience, right? And that's, that's ultimately what the role of the coach is regardless. Uh, and so it started out with, um, you know, something really simple, a gesture, the Play With Pride campaign, uh, which is every fall, thousands of high school and college uh, athletes uh, from all over the country. Currently, I think we're at around eight or 9,000, um, do an event where they wear the pride laces in their games. 
uh, hopefully they, they do some campaigning and awareness, uh, possibly some fundraising, you know, essentially to make that statement, like, you know, if you are a, a member of the LGBTQ community, we want you to bring your true self to the soccer experience as well. It's right. You know, what, what, what brings us together uh, is the Jersey that we wear. Uh, but it doesn't mean that we can't also bring uh, some of our unique characteristics to the experience. So the group has evolved so much from that experience to the diversity and inclusion diploma uh, as uh, it was named when it was created in 2016. Uh, which is a very accessible free uh, online uh, diploma that you can take, takes about eight to 10 minutes. And that, the point of that diploma is kind of what I alluded to um, when I was joking with you earlier about, you know, meeting people where they're at um, because th that opens the door to a conversation, right? You know, allyship, for example, as we discussed during um, our breakout rooms is a journey. You know, it, it's kind of a journey that it, it goes on every single day and you're, you're constantly learning about how to enable your players as a coach uh, to bring their true self to the soccer experience. And that diploma is meant to bring people into that conversation for maybe even the first time, right? Maybe you are a coach somewhere that thinks, I, I actually don't know anyone from the LGBTQ community, so why... I don't, I don't really need to learn about, you know, diversity and inclusion. And, and as we know, you know, in, in larger groups of people, you probably do know someone and they right. just not have been able to bring their true self to you and, and be open and honest with you yet. So we have evolved rapidly in, in these, you know, five to six years that we've been, been around. Um, and, and we have these conversations about, you know, what it is to, you know, participate in that journey as an ally, to amplify the stories of, uh, you know, our, our, our trans coaches, our lesbian coaches, right, our, our bisexual coaches, uh, and everybody from that community, and talk uh, about why it's important to do so, and why it's also important to model, you know, these behaviors of inclusion in the game of soccer, because ultimately, if everybody can bring their true self to the game, everybody's going to perform better. I hope your partner just heard that because they were talking about you being uncool. That was Jonas. That was hella dope, man. In fairness, in fairness, I do get to work with some pretty cool uh, people in the world of professional sports every day with you can play project. My day job is to make sports safer and, and more accessible for the LGBTQ community. So uh, maybe I've gotten a little bit cooler in the last couple of years. Yeah. A little bit. Okay. okay. Um, and I think just coming from, you know, Jonas did, does a great, amazing, eloquent job of speaking about the role of allyship and the role of being an ally is incredibly complex. And I think that's something that's not talked about enough. Um, and I think Sean, you got maybe a good idea when you were in that discussion with Jonas, um, how hard it is that it's not just this simple, um, you know, hey, we're here for you. We're supporting you that there's a lot more to it. There's a lot more education and learning that individuals have to do for themselves about the groups that they say they're allies to. Um, but for me, as a, as a trans coach and athlete, um, I don't see other trans athletes and trans coaches. I, I just don't. Um, I still don't. It's not something that I'm regularly, you know, a part of communities where there's other 
trans people in the world of soccer. But at least I, with this group, I get to be around my other queer family. Um, you know, like I consider Shalom family. Like we are queer family. Um, yeah, we are. Yes. And that is so important to find no matter what, but in the world of sports, it's so hard to find. It's, it's so heterosexual, cisgender, male, female, um, all these different labels are just so steeped in sports that when we find each other in the sports world, it's, it's powerful. And the only way that I discovered uh, this group at United Soccer Coaches is that a friend of mine that I've been friends with for a long time here in Portland, uh, straight white guy, used to be coached by Dan Wogue. And Dan Wogue is a bit older than us. And uh, he coached my friend forever ago, like 45 years ago. Wow. And like that cage, huh? Yeah. Oh, like, cold. like real, like a long time ago. And my friend said, Cage, you gotta, you gotta connect with Dan. He's amazing. He's doing really cool stuff at this organization. And Dan and I connected. And next thing I know, I'm on the leadership team and doing all this cool stuff and meeting these cool people and being a part of that diploma, helping build up that diploma program. And it's, um, it's a unique place to be in the, in the world of sports, to be able to be an out trans person. And I had a video that went viral of me coming out to the, to my kids at the club at Portland community. And that's just transformed my life of being an out trans person in the world of coaching where I just, like I said, I quit coaching for a while because I didn't think I could be out. And here I am, like you Google my name and you're going to come across pages of articles and whatnot. And that wasn't the point of me doing it, but it happened. And I'm, I'm glad to be uh, an out person and, and so happy to be a part of United Soccer Coaches and, um, and have been welcomed with open arms there. And can I, can I just add, you know, the, the world of sport needs heroes, right? Young members of the LGBTQ community need heroes. I actually had a phone call with a club coach in California today who contacted us and said, uh, a player has come to me and said that they are trans male. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go next. And the conversation inevitably you know, led to, you know, there are other people out there who have taken that journey already. And I know one in particular who is my personal hero in coaching and you know, could probably lend a lot to this conversation. And that, that is huge. This group, has allowed us as a network to connect with people that we can not only relate to, but who we can look up to. Um, and you know, the other people on this call are part of my hero network as well. And so the fact that you know, I was able to literally say to this coach who was feeling kind of lost about this situation and say, actually, I, I think there, there's someone that you know, this uh, young trans male athlete might even be able to talk to and, and really have that connection with is something I don't think we've, I would have been able to do five years ago. And that, that is something that's uh, really impactful about what this group does well. Yeah, so I know people can't see me. So I'm uh, actually black and Native American and uh, I have a Jewish name and I'm not Jewish. And so I, I tell my, one of my kids said um, one day, I had him for three years and he says, wait, your name is Shalom. And I said, yeah, and he said, that means peace, but you're not Jewish. And I was just like, nope, I'm like a coffee table book. 
you know, you see what you see. And then when you, yeah. oh, you have to open it up to really see what you get. You know what yeah. I mean? So, okay. Shalom. So, that is the best thing I've heard you say in a long time. Right. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, for me, joining this group, not only because I, I'm a queer woman, but um, I need other kids to see uh, queer women of color and that they can make a path and it's safe and it's okay. And there's someone that came before them. You don't know, right? You don't know uh, what's there unless you're able to see it, right? Uh, What was it? Biden, Biden said something about that, uh, I think yesterday or today. And um, it's so true, right? I would have loved to see more uh, black coaches. I would have loved to see more people who were out and queer I think that I would have felt more comfortable about myself when I was younger. And so when I work with my kids, um, I really work on my language. Um, I really look on, work on my inclusiveness uh, and, and really take the kids that I can see outside might have a harder time conforming because they do not um, and really give them that kind of extra praise and, and let them know that I see you. And you're important. And, and, you know, anything that happens during the day, if you come to soccer, you're, you're part of a group and you can always come here and be safe. Um, it's, it's interesting because in the, in our club, we, we do have a lot, quite a few kids that are uh, gender nonconforming. And so um, you would think that the kids would have a problem with it because we're technically a girls club. Right. Um, but the kids have no problem with it. They don't even question it. Um, the best part is um, I had one of the little boys in our in our uh, our crest used to say, play like a girl. And we were in the middle of a game and he looks down at his jersey and he says, hey, he's, he's sitting down. He's like, Shalom, why does my jersey say play like a girl? And I said, because you're in a girl's club, baby. And he goes, huh, OK. And they kept it moving. <laughs> like, I was just like, but those are the kind of things. So I, I want to bring not only I don't want to do it just where I am. I want, you know, the whole world. I want to go on that tour with Cage around the world and around, around the world would be awesome around the country and let people know that there are gay people every day. Gay people play soccer and uh, we're amazing and should be celebrated. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. One of the questions I had, it was going to be, it was going to come a little bit later, but you guys have all kind of spoke about it in, in terms of the young players that you coach I, I remember I, I, I have a gay aunt and I remember like I just like when I was nine years old, I was going to a basketball game and I was going to the game with my gay aunt and my other gay aunt. And uh, she my mom remember telling me is like, hey, just so you know, like people might have questions like trying to explain this to me. And I literally was so confused. I was like, well, it's just Mary and her friend, Amy. Like, what do you like? I feel like kids are almost like beautifully naive with all this stuff that they just and I was as well. Do you think that the younger generation right now that's coming through is more accepting of the LGBT community? From what I've seen, especially with the kids that come through our program, it seems like it's becoming less stigmatized every single group that comes through. Do you see that's the case as well? Because again, I I am coming from a point where I'm not in that community. And again, if I ever say anything offensive, I'm very, very sorry. It's definitely not coming from that. We'll tell you. But you're doing good, Nick. Yeah. Um, but do you guys see that with younger generations coming through that it's becoming less of a, like a thing that like where it's eventually going to be the point where there's no questions about it at all anymore. Um, yeah. Shalom. Do you, do you want to jump in? West coast, West coast, right. West coast, West coast, Canada. 
so I think that Canada. I so so I think that part of it also is I can't necessarily say you know for Kentucky or I can't say for yeah. for you know places that aren't necessarily the coast. A lot of people aren't going to try to talk um, for Kentucky. Yeah. Well, uh, no, but I'm just saying. I, but uh, that's the thing. So if anything that we're here has taught us is that there are there are huge communities. We're here with the drag shows. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bob yeah. The, Bob, the drag queen. Awesome. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it has taught us that there's, there are lots of communities that are very supportive, but they're supportive when they have a, a, a festival or a tool to be supportive. Otherwise it's really scary to be supportive and it's really scary to be out. Right. So then you have San Francisco where people think that we're very liberal. Um, we have very conservative pockets. Um, but the idea is try to accept people where, where they are. And there's enough people here that will say something if you don't. Right. Um, mm. So it's hard for me to speak um, everywhere else. I can tell you this. Um, when I worked at, I, I worked at a boys and girls club about uh, 10 years ago. And it was interesting because I had a kid come in and say, Hey, Shalom, I have a question. And my answer is always, you can ask whatever you want. I'm not going to necessarily answer it. Right. So, so the kids were totally okay with that. And they're like, Hey, um, are you gay? And then another kid goes, that's not okay. You can't ask that. And the kid goes, but I want to know. And then they ended up having this whole conversation with themselves about there's nothing wrong with it. And you shouldn't be asking people that. And they were like, but you you can't get an answer. Right. So it's interesting if you leave kids kind of to their own devices, um, when you know, it's going in a, in a very inquisitive, positive direction, um, they usually come out with, with their own thoughts. And then they go, wait, remember we were playing soccer. I think it's when you have, um, uh, you definitely know that somewhere an adult has influenced a kid thought that ways where you have to interject, right? Because the words that come out of kids' mouths very rarely are hateful. They're, they're, um, they're at times um, mean because kids are mean but they're very rarely hateful unless they've heard hate speech, right? So I would say um, if you get hate speech where you are, you're probably gonna hear hate speech come out of the kids. Yeah, I, I think that's really, that's, that's exactly how I was gonna put it was it's regionally, I think it's so different. Um, and being on the West Coast, it's hard for us on the West Coast to, is, to speak to what's going on in the rest of the country. I, I did wanna tell a quick story on piggybacking on Shalom's kid story of the fact that, you know, I came out to the club in 2017 incredibly publicly, was well received by um, all the parents and parents from lots of different cultures and religions and all sorts of things. And so this story is out there. And so, you know, maybe like a year or two later, um, we're finishing up practice and I hear two seven-year-olds having a conversation about me, about me being trans. And one of them is my biggest advocate. He, he and I are just little buddies. and he, I hear him saying, no, Cage used to be a girl and now he's a boy and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And I just sort of like walked a little closer. I didn't interrupt. I just walked over a little closer and just stood there and listened and heard Junior is his name. Just talk about me as just like, this is normal. This is, there's nothing wrong with this. And the other kid was just like, kind of looking inquisitively and just, you know, not quite sure what to say. And then just said, okay. And then they just wandered off. 
you know? And I was like, perfect. I didn't say a word. I didn't intervene. I didn't get involved. I just stood there and watched two kids have a conversation about me being a trans person. And that was okay. I was like, great. If that's all that comes from me being out, beautiful. And then to follow that up, that same kid, Junior, I hear later, many months later, stood up for a friend of his at school, you know, another seven-year-old who is a gender non-conforming kid who is getting beat up and bullied and teased. And Junior went to that person and said, hey, my coach is just like you. It's going to be okay. He's really cool. You're going to be really cool. Why don't you come play soccer with us? I mean, holy shit. Like right. that is what we're talking about. When that we talk brings about like a tear to your eye. Man. Like, holy cow. Yeah. That just, it, it just blew my mind. So that's, that is the, the ripple effect. That is what it means when you have really, truly inclusive spaces. It ripples out in ways that you couldn't even imagine. I feel like part of me is kind of like along with Nick on this, just because of, I, I tweet very often. I haven't as much in since uh, the uh, inauguration, but I know in the last four years, I tweeted the phrase a lot. I can't wait for the youth to take over. <laughs> I just, I, I, I think they are going to change the world uh, in so many different ways. And I truly believe that this is one way because it's they're in a world where it is more accepting. And so, you know, like you said, where I, you know, two seven-year-olds can have a conversation and it's okay. Like, Oh yeah. Coach used to be this. Now he's this and it's okay. Like he's cool. Yeah. We're cool. Let's all be cool together. And as compared to when we all were kids, that was not the conversation that was being had. Oh no. And so I just feel to me, um, you know, I'm very thankful that, you know, my kids, they get it and they're okay with it. And they, my daughter says it perfectly. She's like, if we, if I cut everybody's skin, we're all the same person. And I'm just like, Quinn, you're gonna make me cry. Um, <laughs> and especially as some, some, you know, I'm biracial like Shalom. Um, and so like kind of the stuff I grew up with, it's now a little bit more accepting. Um, apparently except for Meghan Markle, uh, pretty much put all of the Royal family on blast this week. Um, mm. so for me, like, I, that's why I said, I feel like I'm kind of with Nick on this about as time goes on, will this be more, I guess, acceptable? It would be the word, but I feel like the current group of young people with, I guess, common knowledge, like a seven-year-old, um, that, you know, when they get our age, that at some point it will be like a lot more minimal of um, I guess questioning uh, would be the, the, the phrase you use. Yeah, I think Sean, I think what's happening is that the, the dominant culture of straight cis, you know, identity, if we're just talking about, you know, sexual orientation and gender identity um, is not their voices are getting matched more often by people who are, who are trans, queer, LGB, all these right. different voices are getting just a little bit louder because there's more of us that are coming out and there's more of us that feel like we can be out. And, and the internet has helped with that. And so once you have this somewhat raising of the voices of marginalized communities and the dominant voices are getting less, it's not that suddenly there's all of a sudden more queer people around. It's just 
now we're being heard from and now we're being listened to and now we're being taken seriously and now we're seen as not some tragic story of mental illness. Um, That's the, that's the change that's starting to happen. And it's, it's slow, but it's, it's incrementally happening. That's, that's my opinion of it. That's my viewpoint of it. I just feel like, I don't know. I'm always, I guess I always going about like the youth of the world. I'm just like, there's so much like, I'm, I'm a firm believer that hate is taught. Like you guys were talking about, if you're hearing it at home, you're going to hear it from, from the kids. And so for me, that's why, like I said, like, I can't wait for the youth of the country to take over because you have, especially like, you know, we could date back ourselves in time and you think of the racial divide and, you know, some will say that it's still there. And we've, we've seen many things of that, but you have, you know, how many white bro, white boys and, and white girls are now, you know, bringing home a, a, a black boy or black girl to, to play with, or, you know, boyfriends or girlfriends, you're seeing a lot more interracial, uh, uh, you know, dating within high schools, things along those lines to where, gosh, I mean, probably even when I was in high school, it probably wasn't very acceptable. At least where I know where I grew up at definitely wasn't. Um, but now it is a lot more acceptable. And, and maybe it's because like you said, that there's maybe it's not so much that the, the voices are louder, but, or that there are more, but it's because that voice is being heard. Um, yeah. And I, that's why I just think like, because of this situation, I think the kids now when they're our age, it's going to be a lot more, um, like I said, it's just, it's not going to be questioned as much. Like, I think there will always be questions much as anything with racial divide or anything, uh, with, with LGBTQ, but I think that questioning will be significantly lower, uh, with, with the current kids that we have, especially like your seven-year-old cage like that, like junior junior. I don't know oh. if you're listening to this shout out to you, man. Shout out to you. Oh. Yeah. I'll make sure he, he know he knows I talk about him all the time. He loves it. Yeah. He calls himself famous all the time. Junior, you are famous now. He is. Much, much love to Junior, but, and, and we, we do have to acknowledge all the progress we've made. When Junior gets older, that's the reason why we can't take our foot off the gas, right? right? We, we yeah. have made progress because, and let's, we don't have to just talk about the last four years, right? There is an environment, however, where the anonymity of social media mm-hmm. has we've seen a growth in hateful language, right? right. We've yeah. seen a growth in that language becoming normal, whether you're talking about the racism that exists in the, in the UK, in the Premier League every single week, and it makes me ill, or the, the simple casual homophobia that I, as a college coach, still have to correct a little bit every time we get a first year university student, right? It's still there. And usually it comes down to language that has uh, impact, but maybe not intent. And Shalom kind of alluded to this earlier, right? The, the existence of, of phrases like, uh, that's so gay, for example, that is still happening all the time. And that is still normalized in teenage culture, especially. And the presence of toxic masculinity, even talking about it, you know, is, is progress, but it, it hasn't necessarily diminished. In fact, I would argue that in the division of the last four years, it's actually increased a little bit. And, you know, I, I do work, whether, whether it was in New York at a university, in Virginia at a university, or now here in the Pacific Northwest, you know, it, it's less about regionality and more about normalized behavior 
and what kind of takes over in groups in the teenage years. And so we definitely, we, we can't take our foot off the gas. Right. Right. And, you know, just like every day in, in, in our journey as allies, for example, we have to say, all right, let me, I got to keep my, my unconscious bias in check. You know, you also have to be aware of, you know, what's going on in the world with uh, young people and teenagers, especially, and then em- empower them a little bit with, with the knowledge and say, you know, when you hear that, nowadays we know we should say something, right? If you hear something, we should say something. And we've all learned a little bit more about how to do that. You know, when you hear a young man say, oh, that's so gay. Hey, what do you mean by that? Because in a room of 25 young men, there's very likely two, three, four, five, six, who knows, members of the LGBTQ community. And you could be hurting your own teammate without even realizing it. Oh, coach, I know I didn't mean it that way. Impact versus intent, it's so powerful. And being able to teach that in a, in, in, on a daily basis is really important. So yes, I, I celebrate that. I, I think it's a better place for uh, my two children to grow up in than the environment that, that, that I grew up in, but we can still never take our foot off the gas. Well, that was going to be my question to you as well. I mean, being a college men's coach, like you mentioned, like, you know, you you still are finding yourself correcting, um, you know, like what is that environment for you? And like, how do you, you know, you mentioned about making corrections, like how, not like, specific examples, but I guess like, you know, how often do you find yourself and, you know, is it to a point where maybe your team does the correcting for you? Like, because they've taken, like, I would see like the upperclassmen because they've been around you and they've, they've been around your teachings that maybe they catch it before you do. But I mean, have you noticed kind of a, uh, a shift in that where, you know, they are, they, they can catch it before you do. I'm saying catch it. Well, like it's the freaking coronavirus, but like, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's definitely been a shift. And you know, and I'll, I'll use the example of some professional athletes. Like there, there's a, there's an agent who has a lot of high level talents in the NHL and he came out last fall and some of the best players in the NHL, uh, you know, Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby were like, yeah, just you, you do you, it's all good. Right. right? And they learned that along the path. Right whether they learned it in university, whether they learned it from teammates, whether they learned it from the NHL rookie training camp. And there, there are good programs like that in, in soccer. You know, we're working right now with the USL uh, on, a le- on some league-wide in- initiatives and we work with NCAA teams and, and you know, that's really important. But the, the teaching, I, and, and, and look, my lads are, they're wonderful, right? They're, they're a loving bunch. There's the, the majority of them are Canadians. Uh, hey. They're very accepting. You know, um, but they usually in high school, they are exposed to the comedy of toxic masculinity and they think that's team bonding. But in actuality, there's always someone that hurts. There could be a young man in that room who has two moms. There could be a young man in that room who uh, expresses himself as you know, either non-binary or a different gender on the weekend, right? And that, you know, you, you should actually always assume that there's somebody like that in the room. And because they love their teammates, the most, the, for the most part, if you have a good, highly functional team that generally loves their teammates, they don't want to unknowingly offend them. 
And so if you teach them about that in their first year of university, by the end, the captains and the, and the older players are teaching the rest about it. But again, it is something that we always have to consistently reinforce. With, um, with coaches or when, Oh, I, sorry, Shalom, were you about to say something? Okay. Um, with coaches, one of the things I, I actually did a LGBTQ seminar the other, it was probably about two or three weeks ago. And one of the things that they told us as allies that's really important is showing support visibly and, and, and finding ways to do that, especially when you're not, yes, perfect. There you go. Um, and especially when you're like me, where you're like, I'm like, I'm, everyone knows my fiance on my team. Like I'm, I'm obviously not part of that community, but finding ways to show that is, is there ways that allies that we can show that, that will allow people within our teams to feel more and more comfortable. Like, again, just being themselves around us. It's the language, right? It's that inclusive and that diverse language. I think that it's um, really important not to say you guys. I think we're conditioned to say you guys. Um, that is like I my number that, one, I will admit, I am horrible about that. Oh, I say too. So I actually have one of one of my girls teams gets uh, pizza. If I say it in the next two weeks, if I say it, I think it's like six more times, I'm in, I'm in trouble. Oh, I know I am. But I'm trying to regulate myself. So if they get pizza, great for them. And no they're kidding. really, I like that. It. Yeah. So um, it, it's, the, it's the language. It's also, um, uh, we tend to put, um, come on, you know, man up or, or, you know, are you, you know, are you this, are you that? And it, it comes. So I played rugby and I played football and I've been coached and primarily um, from men. And, and I think that having, that I, I've heard a lot of things where you're just like, what, what does that even mean? Like, why are you saying these things? You know, why there's so many other ways to say, you know, work hard. Uh, and so it's really um, trying to think about all the things that you learned when you were an athlete and all the things you heard when you were an athlete and really putting and uh, putting that into context. And again, just as Jonas said, how is this going to hurt somebody? You know, what are those, what are those microaggressions that you keep throwing out? that are going to, that are going to hurt somebody um, that is just in your, your regular language, because that's the language that we grew up with. And um, I, I think that's huge. Um, when they say, you know, um, do it outwardly, I think it's um, being very clear. If you have, if we have the, hopefully we'll have a season um, and you're able to get those rainbow uh, shoelaces, right? wear the rainbow shoelaces, hand them out. I even have kids when I handed up the, why, why are you handing these rainbow shoelaces? You know? And I don't know. They don't know their kids. Are you straight? Not straight. I don't know. And, um, and I say, because we love our teammates and we, we, we think that, you know, everybody deserves to be honored. And then they say, Oh, okay. And then they take the shoelaces and they're excited just because they, they can be inclusive. And I, I think it's stuff like that for me. I, I, and I work with the younger group. Um, well, uh, high school, young high school and, and uh, lower. But I think for them, that's really impactful. And I would add, um, I mean, 100% agree with exactly what Shalom said. And I would add to that, that it's a part of a coach's job to really pay attention to those little conversations that are happening between players. 
So in the downtime, right, a water break, um, even when your players are gathering around you as a coach and they're coming in and they're chit-chatting and they're being kids, listen to what they're saying. I hear more times than I want to, even in my club where I do a whole lot of education, they're kids and they're going to say things. I still hear that's so gay. Don't be a sissy. You know, all those kinds of words, languages. I step right in and I make it public, right? Not publicly shaming those kids, but I make it a public moment of, hey, what are you talking about? Can you tell me what you're talking about? And not only does that become an education moment for those two kids, but any kid that's listening realizes, oh, they've got my back, right? If they are an LGBTQ kid and they see that, they see, ah, this is a safe space. This is somebody who's thinking about me, even though they may not be out, nobody may know about them. They, they're recognizing because us in the queer community, we are scanning our environment all the time for, is this safe? Where, who's going to say what? Can I, can I be myself in this place? And kids are doing that too. If they're um, recognizing that they don't quite fit into the, to the dominant culture. So yeah, say, be, be bold in how you talk about um, interrupting and disrupting those situations. And, and look, I know like I'm wearing a shirt that was inspired by the San Diego loyal uh, uh, what is, team. What does it, it say, Jonas, for everybody listening? It says, I will speak, I will act which is the decision that the San Diego Loyal team as a whole took after um, they, they actually experienced racism on the field on the Wednesday night game. And they said, we're not going to tolerate this anymore and we're going to act as a unit, right? And so the team decided collectively to take action. And then when they heard a homophobic slur used on the Saturday night in the game, it was very interesting because the rest of the team wanted to walk off. They, they knew they had to take action. And Colin Martin himself didn't actually want uh, to abandon the game. If, if you've seen any of his interviews since then, he, he wanted to, you know, not, not really, there, there was a lot on the line and they chose to take action. And I think what you do in your journey as an ally, when no one's looking, actually matters just as much. I think if you ask anyone in this group, yeah, it's absolutely super important and impactful when your teammate, uh, you know, throws on uh, the rainbow laces, uh, wears the, the, the trans flag, uh, you know, on their armband, for example, which, you know, is, is another uh, certainly a way to amplify awareness in our sport. But also what you do when nobody's looking, what you do behind the scenes, uh, educating yourself you know, constantly finding new ways to say, like, how can I undo uh, my unconscious bias? Uh, leveraging your space and your power and your privilege and your platform to members of the LGBTQ community whenever possible uh, is a great thing that people who are kind of focused on this allyship journey uh, can take part in. And, and I think that, you know, we are not out here asking the coaches of North America to become diversity and inclusion consultants. That's not what we're asking. We're trying to meet people where they're at, make them realize that even though they may not know someone from the LGBTQ plus community, they probably would do themselves a good favor to educate themselves on the values of inclusion 
and integrate that into their coaching philosophy because ultimately an inclusive environment and that when you foster that inclusive climate in your team, in your locker room, your team's going to like each other a lot more. They're going to have a lot more fun together and they're going to win. And you know what? It's okay to talk about winning. Yeah. <laughs> yes. A thing, right? Yeah. I even tell the pros that, you know, the people competing for a national championship, inclusive climates are winning climates. Yeah. And that's not a hard thing to sell. Absolutely. Everybody loves to win. Look at the women's national team, right? Like they're, they're, they dominate everyone. And they definitely have quite a few people from that community for sure. And, and, and speaking of that, I mean, do you feel like, that how you guys mentioned, you know, now with social media and the internet, how, you know, there's much more knowledge of things within the soccer community itself. Do you feel like that, like the women's national team has really, I guess I don't want to say like has helped, but because now there are more, you know, maybe there's, there's little girls who are, who watch the women's team and, and have, you know, the thoughts that they have and, you know, see Megan Rapinoe and Sue Bird or see, uh, you know, Ashlyn Harris and Allie Krager. Do you feel like that has helped uh, with, with this current generation? Um, or is that a completely dumb question? It could be a dumb question. No, no, no. Sean, I think it's a great question and it's really actually more complex than I, than I think even any, anybody realizes um, when I was watching soccer as a kid, as a young girl, I didn't see anybody who looked anything different than a very feminine woman, a, a super badass, incredible soccer player, but a woman, right? And I was like, well, I idolize these women. I look up to these women. I want to play on the national team someday, but that's not for me. I don't fit that. I don't, I don't fit that, that mold. And it was the same with the girls I was playing with on my teams. It was just, you know, all the way up through high school. I, I just didn't fit that feminine mold that was women in soccer. And then, um, you know, Abby, Abby Wambach is the first player that I remember seeing, you know, I'm well into my twenties and Abby Wambach starts playing. And I was like, who is this? Who is this woman on the national team who has short hair and is talking about being an out soccer player? I was like, this was not around when I, I was a kid. It may have been around in other sports, but for whatever reason, soccer was not the place in the women's game where women could be out. There certainly was women who were gay and queer far, but, you know, way back um, for many, many years, but they weren't out. And so I think that there's, there's been a shift there and I think it has made a, a big impact. Um, and now it's, it's time on the men's side, right? It's time for there to be more acceptance on the men's side. And there's a whole lot more layers that, that are there, but yeah, it made a huge difference for me as a young kid, seeing those women um, and feeling like I couldn't find that mold to fit. See, and I think for me, I just saw really strong women and I don't know necessarily that I looked at, you know, that I couldn't see myself. I, I think more what I saw as, as a young girl um, was I didn't see people being able to be genuine and be themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not necessarily just having to be gay, right? Yeah. They weren't able necessarily, everybody, you got, you had a cookie cutter person and everybody yeah. kind of had to look the same. Michelle Akers did her own thing, but Michelle Akers, Michelle Akers, she can do her own thing. I love her. Right. So, you know what I mean? So, you and I are um, friends now. You, 
And it wasn't just soccer. You you saw that same cookie cutter person, and and you saw these these women who were like sweating and like strong and everything. And then you'd see them in pictures, and they like somehow yeah. have makeup on and are in a like a cute little dress. And you're just like, what is going on? So I think for me, and I think probably for a lot of young girls, is not just necessarily that they are um, they see other gay women. Um, or queer women is that they see other queer women that run the gamut of what they could look like. Yeah. Right. And so it's being able not only to see them as queer people, but being able to see them as themselves. And it goes back to being able to see yourself. And, and like Cage said, Cage didn't see themselves. Right. And I didn't see myself because there were, I can count three black people that um, were on the women's team uh before now and they were talking they're talking about now how diverse it is and it's not you know so there's a like Kate said there's a lot of different layers um I think it's the strength of the women's teams right now um in their personal lives and on the field and being able to be themselves is what makes a difference and even I don't necessarily agree with her but I do um believe that her she needs to be heard is the woman, I don't remember what her name is, the woman who decided not to play on the team because she was Christian and she held And But I think that that's really important for people who, you know, there's a lot of women who didn't, don't, I think, don't think that they had a voice before. And she used her voice and she used it for what she believed in. And, and I think that that's, that's really important, right? So it's, it's, you're getting a different kind of uh, woman. You're getting, you know, and you're getting a, uh, uh, incredibly strong lioness, I guess, you know, like the beautifully strong and elegant, but will rip your head off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> true. True. And, and a question I, I had, cause I, I know Nick's got a question as well, but one that I had, I was just thinking of the other day when we kind of talked about getting this together, I see a lot more of the, the um, players being out, the coaches being out, I, I, a majority, or I want to say majority, but a lot of coaches I know are out um, within soccer. Is, is I mean, are, do we just not know about other sports or is it like soccer is more just, I, I guess I don't want to say accepting, but like there are more out coaches um, and I guess players in soccer than there are in other sports because you don't really you don't really hear of like the NBA having an, an openly gay coach, or you don't hear of there's not a major league baseball manager that that's openly gay. Um, is it just that there are more in soccer that it's, I guess for us, it's, it's just kind of, it's kind of common nowadays. I think we have to separate some of the environments because I don't believe if we, if we speak in binary terms, I don't believe that the men's environment is as inclusive as the women's environment. And I mean, at the pro level, mm-hmm. the college level, high school. And, you know, at the moment, we only have one openly gay man playing professional men's soccer in North America, mm-hmm. right? We only, we only have Colin Martin. And and I, I, I don't know that it's as inclusive as an environment in soccer more than any other. Right. Right. Um, And, and depending on the region, I don't know that's, it's entirely um, comfortable for uh, any member of the LGBTQ community 
to put that in their bio on their NCAA website. I don't know that that's the, the case for everyone. Sure, there's a lot of fantastic examples and I love those NCAA athletic departments that make a point of doing that, you know, uh, but I don't think that's the case for everyone. And, and I do still or have worked with in the last five years, people who are not able to be their true self in their job. And that can make it really difficult yeah. to be satisfied, to be engaged at work every day. Um, so I, I, I don't know, uh, certainly, uh, certainly on the men's side, but also, you know, in society in general, in sport in general, yeah. um, if we're there, if we're really there yet, and if, if soccer is really uh, better than any other sport, you know, I, I think, you know, thinking of the partners that we work with, uh, you know, at the professional level, yes, certainly the NWSL, uh, definitely U.S. soccer in terms of their, uh, you know, commitments to, you know, creating more inclusive environments, uh, the NWHL, the WNBA, fantastic organizations, but it's still, you know, not a, you know, just a sort of, uh, you know, free environment where people can absolutely be their true selves all the time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I encourage. Oh, sorry, right, real Sean, quick, please, I encourage everybody on here to look up Jeshin Fashionu's story. Um, he was the first out um, gay man in soccer. He played in um, in England, and then he came over here and played here. Um, if you get his, if you read his story, or there's also a, um, a documentary on him you'll see just the, the torment that he ended up going through and how his life ended so short because he ended up being outed and, and coming out and trying to live his true self um, as, a, as a gay black man in, in the sport of soccer. Jonas had that link on Decky. Like you yeah, said that, so. he popped it in the chat. Jonas is amazing. He's amazing <laughs> at that. Thanks, Shalom, for that. I don't know that story, so I'll, I'll look that up. Um, I just wanted to add to what Jonas said that, um, I, I mean, the way that I work in the world is I'm always looking at systems and structures and why things happen because of systems and structures. And the structure within sports is that the standard is masculinity. Sports were created with the ideal of masculinity is the gold standard and that's why sports is valued in men's sports over women's sports. Full stop, right? Women, uh, women's national team, highest ranking team in the, in the world, all the things, all the accolades, still not making the same amount of money, still not getting the same amount of sponsorships. It's about the, the um, structure of masculinity in our culture and what it means to be a masculine man. It means to play a sport in this way. And then if you layer over that sexuality, gay men are assumed in our uh, culture to be um, not real men, to be effeminate, to not be masculine enough, all these assumptions. And so you layer those two things together. And so, yeah, you're not gonna get men who can feel like they can be out in the world of sports because it's immediately questioning their masculinity, which is immediately questioning their um, athletic talent, their athletic value um, entertainment value, all those things. So that's, that's where I come at it is kind of that 30,000 foot view of what are these structures that are impacting, uh, how people can, can be themselves. 
Yeah. And as we close, like, what are some things that we can, as a community, no matter whether you're a part of the LGBTQ plus community or not, can be do can be doing to move forward in a positive direction so we can continue to break these barriers and make it so this is something that future generations will not have to deal with as we go forward. I'll jump right in there, I guess. Just use the art of coaching. The art of coaching says model the behavior that you'd like to see in others, right? So again, we, we don't, you don't need to become a diversity and inclusion expert to model inclusive language, to incorporate it into your coaching philosophy, and then be that person, you know, consistent commitment that year round, not just during pride month, not just during play with pride, that everyday challenge, look yourself in the mirror and say, you know what, how can I make sure that I'm allowing everyone to be their true self in my locker room? Asking your, yourself that question every single day uh, is going to help you a lot. And that's, that's part of the art of coaching anyway. I would say use your privilege. I, I think that a lot of us have privilege uh, and we don't want to feel uncomfortable. But with that privilege, we can make we can we can be a little uncomfortable and stand up for people, and and make things known and and know that we are not going to accept hurting someone else. Um, so I, I, it's using your privilege. Um, I'll I echo my wonderful friends and colleagues, but I also want to add to that. Um, doing the very, very hard work of looking inside yourself and um, doing some self-reflection on how did I come to this part of my life of being, if you're a straight identified cisgender man, how did you come to that identity? How is it that that's the thing that feels good to you? Why are you, um, why are you that person? That's who you are. Just like I'm a transgender man. How did I come to this place? So Instead of just always looking at how do I support them and it's them versus us, right? And it's these back and forths. It's more about how can I recognize my own identities, my own journey of coming to that identity and then seeing that, oh, other people go through journeys as well. And having that self-reflection that we've all gone through some journey. It's just like Shalom said, some people are given a lot more privilege um, because of how our society is structured. So if you can do that hard, hard work, and take a look at yourself and all your stereotypes and all the biases that, that can still be resonating around, then you can go and do that thing like Jonas said and use the art of coaching to connect with people and use your privilege, um, like Shalom said. And then it wouldn't be soccer chat if I didn't ask this question. And I think there's only like four episodes that I, I well, probably more than that, that I missed this question on. So we'll have three different answers here. Good luck, because it's a very tough question and no one ever has an answer. For I have a feeling these three are going to knock it out of the park, though. Great. If you could describe your coaching philosophy with a song, what song is it? So like Nick's is Everybody Wang Chung Tonight. Yeah, because he wants everyone to have fun. Everybody, have fun. everybody <laughs> have fun tonight. Mine is Bohemian Rhapsody. Because I'm it. all in, and then I'm kind of slow, and then I'm all in. Yo, and all together at the end. Yo, is, I like that. You're one of the fastest answers we've ever had. I swear. Normally, people think for a minute and a half and don't give us an answer. You are easily. I think that might have been the fastest answer we ever got. That's, but the really? best part I was. was too. 
I was ready to go too with I get knocked down, but I get up again. Tub thumping. Thank Chumba you. Wumba. Yeah. From from I believe it was FIFA ninety eight was also yes that was one hundred percent what it was from one hundred percent that was what it was from I'm I'm at a loss and mainly because I am just terrible at thinking on the spot of songs I love so much so many different kinds of things I have learned on the show is that we have really um, we have a I guess we have a really high standard about coaches knowing music because so many times we'll ask this question. And I can't tell you how many episodes where people are like, I don't know anything about music. <laughs> how do you not know anything about music? Like, yeah, and that's to- not the case. I just can't. Yeah, think yeah that. there you like, go. You even have a music note tattoo. Yeah. Jonas brother. I'll, uh, I'll get back brother. to you. I'll send, I'll that's send okay. you. Cage, you are not alone. 95% of people don't have an answer to this question. I, so you are far yeah. from alone in this regard. And that's so unusual for me because I, I usually have an answer to everything. I get what, asked the weirdest shit, so I usually have an answer to everything. I think my favorite thing is that Shalom's answer. Most people, you know, kind of like Nick's, like he wants everybody to have fun, so everybody wearing Chung tonight. Shalom actually went about the melody and the tempo of the song. Yeah. Not about the lyrics. And yeah. like that, <laughs> like she's sitting there explaining it, and I was like, this is the greatest answer we've ever had for this question. <laughs> like, and now I don't know if I want to ask it anymore because she like, raise the bar so high i don't know if anybody will be able to keep up with that one again i, we, I believe in she should be on every week <laughs> right I mean, absolutely i mean that's just she, a, t- she sean would gladly give her my job at this point for sure people I come here be that person on the side of like jimmy fallon I just, yes. we'll, just, we'll just riff off each other yes. I'll, I'll totally do that <laughs> my wife my wife that's like her dream job that's her dream job is being like uh conan's andy richter Oh no, being Jimmy Fallon. Oh, being Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> okay, okay. No, well, you were talking about you talk about the side person. Yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, okay. Oh no, 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 I'm her side person. That's why I said. Got you, got you, got you. We do this in the grocery store. What are you talking about? <laughs> I the uh, United Soccer Coaches Social for coaches of female athletes is the closest I'll ever be to being um, James Corden, and so I've really I made the mistake of telling Becky that they should treat it like a late night show. And she's like, oh, that's a pretty cool idea. And then two weeks later, she calls me. She's like, hey, we're going to use your idea. I'm like, oh, cool. Next year, that'll be awesome. She's like, no, we're going to do it this year. And I was like, oh, cool. She's like, and by we're doing it, I mean, you're doing it. Uh, <laughs> we've got three weeks till convention in Baltimore. Figure it out. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. Uh, and so all I, did, I just told Nick to be there, which is like what I do. Um, and then uh, we, it was, like I said, it's the closest that I will ever feel to being James Corden. Uh, you know, to be able to get uh, Jill Ellis to car- participate in carpool karaoke uh, with us, uh, you know, and some other uh, some Amazing. other awesome people. We got Leslie Galmore up on stage. Oh, Leslie. She got me into coaching. Oh, really? She's God, she incredible. is the boss. Like, she is. Oh, I love her. Although so I was going to fight her Leslie. on stage because she decided to turn our talk show into a Jill Ellis roast. And See, then, and I just went with it and Sean, like, and I was Nick, like, all right, I'm like, I'm like on stage right next to her. I was like, I'm going for this. And Sean's like, no, Jill, I was like, I you back. So I'm like, Sean, why are you throwing us under the bus, man? Like you had to like, you had to commit to us roasting Jill Ellis. And because it was you, Becky and there. Leslie three on one, it was not fair. Uh, I t- my, my, my uh, bet is on Leslie. I bet Leslie probably could take you. Oh, I, that's why I went. That's why I went on Leslie's side right away. I was like, I'm committed. I'm just saying. Don't, I'm don't just say saying. that because now Leslie's gonna tweet me and be like, Hey, you want to fight? Like, <laughs> with a smile on her face. She's right, always smiling right. too. She totally did with a smile on her face. Right. Well, yeah. I want to. I want to thank you all for coming on uh, with us. This is this is a show that I've honestly 
wanted to do for a long time now um, because soccer chat, it's more than just a podcast. It's more than just a, a weekly Twitter chat. Like it, it's really a community and it's a network of coaches who, you know, share ideas with each other or, you know, ask questions. And, and you know, we had to go further than a, than a, a weekly Twitter chat. We had to create a group text where like, if you need an answer right then, or you just want to talk about a game or, or whatever, you know, we, we've opened it up. And, um, you know, I, I think the thing for us is that we're a very inclusive community. You know, we, uh, at one time it was funny. We got told that we don't include women in what we do. And we had just put out a soccer chat starting 11 where Nick picked a team and I picked a team of all the guests that we had on our show that were females and made a like all time women's game from our host. And so that was something that's always kind of back in my mind of like, you know, kind of like you said, Joseph being, you know, those who are inclusive tend to win. That's the culture that you want to be around. And so, you know, for me, it was never knowing like how to get in contact or, or who to contact, but I'm so happy that, you know, um, I don't know if you want to call it, take a chance or whatever, but like for this convention, I was like, I'm going to go to the social and, and be a part of this. And I'm so thankful that you guys put that on and, and include the allies in it because that gave me my opening of, okay, here, this is how we can, you know, use soccer chat to bring this message across. And to me, it, it, it means a lot. And I'm sure to Nick as well, that uh, you all have come on here uh, and, and been a part of this with us. So we want to thank you uh, for, for taking time out of your time, out of your time, out of your days, uh, even though on the West coast, y'all are still, I think the sun may still be up where you're at. Um, but uh, you know, just again, thank you for what you do, not just for your own kids, but for the community uh, and, and not just the community, but I mean, all of us uh, accepting the allies in and, and using each of us as a teaching point and, you know, um, you know, trying to, 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 you know, educate and, and spread the message that way. And again, if it, if it wasn't for your work, uh, you know, I, I don't know where, uh, where, where we would be. And I, I think like, uh, you know, like Jonah said, like we have to keep sending out the message. We have to keep pounding the message out, uh, to get it across. So if, if this, uh, you know, this podcast, if it, to me, I've always said, like, if we can change one person, uh, from one show, then we've done our job. And, and so hopefully this episode, whoever's listening has, uh, you know, given somebody the, the, the knowledge of like, Hey, like it's okay to feel like how I feel, or it's okay to support, uh, my players or my friends for the way they feel. And if they're thinking that and they, they want to get in contact with you, um, you know, what's Twitter handles or emails uh, that somebody who's listening to this can, can get in contact with all of you. At LGBTQ coaches. On I was going to say, I was like, I know the Twitter, I know the Twitter game. Twitter. Yeah. The same in all three, very easy uh, to remember. Uh, so definitely give us a follow there and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep you posted on events and, and other resources that we're doing throughout the year, um, even if it's not related to soccer. Sometimes it might be, uh, you know, related to your interest in taking that journey as an ally. It hopefully, for the most part, will also be amplifying stories of people within the soccer community who are also members of the LGBTQ community, uh, you know, to, you know, in, enhance their stories and, and then share them with them. So, um, you know, that the, the behavior out there becomes more and more uh, inclusive. And, and you know what? I think you just came up with a really great idea for a social in Kansas City in 2022. We must recreate the Late Late Show. We'll, we'll, we'll have the band. We'll do Bohemian Rhapsody. 
Yes. And uh, you will be the host and uh, Shalom will be, uh, what, you want to be the, the sort of sidekick? I think, oh, I think yeah. our oh, social yeah, idea. Yeah. You have, to, you have to set me up, but it, it can only be adults. It can only be adults. So it, at nighttime, I get a little crazy. <laughs> so that, that, that's what. That's why the uh, the social that we do with Becky uh, is is at I believe eleven o'clock on Thursday. So uh, I, I'm I'm sure that uh, that we could pull this off. I'll wear my boa. So what I was going to say before Jonas even brought up the convention, I was going to mention Cage at convention in Kansas City. I'm going to need you to bring an extra one of those things. Okay. Uh, because I would like to rock one uh, if that is okay with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe that yeah. should be our thing. Maybe maybe that, that way people know. Yeah. Right? We should walk around and we have it. And, with our boas. And if somebody asks you where you get your boa, then you can say, well, I'm an ally or right. I'm part of this group. All right. It. So, so it's, it. almost, it, it's almost like a, like a football scarf that yeah. we have like ally on. Yes. And Lovely. what a way to, I, I guess, like you said, like identify yourself yeah. in front of Just everyone. Like hold it above your head. Right. Although, although the pro wrestling fan of me, when I think of the, of wearing a bow, it would make me feel like I'm Hollywood, Hollywood Hulk Hogan. And can, like, Oh, Rick Flair. Isn't well, it? Rick well, Flair? yeah, he had the bows on his, on his robes, which were incredible, but like Hogan had the bows and, you know, would use them as an air guitar. And like, I kind of feel like me and cage would like do the air guitar, Jimi Hendrix style with a boa. May, I don't know. Maybe that's just wishful thinking. Well, we're going to reclaim that as this, the new uh, scarf of the LGBTQ coaches and allies. I love it. Oh, like don't it. get me. I'm going to don't. I'm going to get one now. And our season oh. starts on the 10th and I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Do so it. I'm so going to take pictures. I'm a, I'm a massive gonna creative get guy. And the thought in my mind was make it two-sided. Make it like actual like football scarf. One side, LGBTQ. And it may be on the other side is I am an ally. So like whichever side uh you know like to show that you're an ally you wear it with yeah. that part sticking out um if you're a member uh, of the community you wear it with the other side um and like i that would just that would be hella dope much like your background shalom it would be it would be dope thank you thank you but this is black women are dope and yes <laughs> unfortunately um, people who are this is the audio podcast so people can't see how dope you're and that's why i had to tell them what it was okay okay black women <laughs> did, you, are dope. did you make that by the way because it's like super like that like super just, dope it's awesome. I mean, yeah, super dope, just for lack of a better term. Um, no, I'm sure some amazing dope black woman made it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> KJ, I think you were going to say something. Um, I just wanted to say that if people want to contact me directly, um, at Cage Leitner is what I am on Twitter and Coach Cage on Instagram. And Cage is K-A-I-G, um, since people won't know how to spell it. Um, Every and time I'm, I see it, I want to say Craig, and I'm like, there's no R. Oh, Craig and Kaig and Keg, and I get all sorts of pronunciations. <laughs> it's great. I love it. It's my name. I came up with it. Um, but I do consulting in the world. I, that is my. That is one of the things I do. So if people are needing support and want some some help from somebody who knows what it is to to be out, um, contact me, and and I can I can be that um, that support. You got to pay me, but I'll be there. And he's brilliant. And, you know, the, the important thing about, you know, having people like Cage and, and Shalom in the universe is that you have soccer specific people who understand right. your environment, who are able to speak about the values of inclusion. And, 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 you know, I know in particular, there's probably a lot of leagues and, and uh, governing bodies out there who are also trying to, you know, ask the question right now, how do we be more inclusive of trans student athletes? Cage has the answer. Just saying. That should be a t-shirt. 
I have so many answers. Answer. <laughs> that will be another uh, Kansas City. Uh, and then on the back, that. it'll say, and Shalom has all the rest of the answers. <laughs> right. I have some, and, and Shalom's got the rest. <laughs> I'm just here to make the front sure. of my shirt will say, no, really, I know more. <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying, Jonas? I said, I'm just here to, to make the t-shirts, sell the t-shirts and to create the social media. That's yeah, my buddy. Point. There yeah. you go. Every group's going to have one of those. Every group's got to have one of those. Yeah, well, again, husband. you all, thank you so, 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 so much uh, for coming on here with us. Like I said, to, to Nick and myself, it means a lot. And I know that uh, within soccer chat, our community, uh, we do have members of the LGBTQ community. Um, uh, that's, friends and we only say we say family members of all the people that we've met through soccer chat uh and so you know to be able to to allow our platform to to help amplify the voice like you said social media and the internet uh has really you know kind of amplified the voice uh for the for the lgtbq lgtbq plus uh community and i'm i'm so thankful that uh we we were able to do this with you all and let's do it again sometime and i think this whole like late night show thing eventually it's it, what's going to turn into is United Star coaches are going to get upset even though they love us um because this year i was like hey like if you don't need bands in kansas city i would really like a band for the social i'm trying to do and so <laughs> then jonas brings it up at some point i feel like jeff van dusen is going to be like okay sean and nick can't do every social like a talk a late night talk show but i think the thing is we can do it we could uh, what you say could i say can um because it, as anything i would probably just do all of it and be like nick show up at this time this time this time perfect um, but again jonas shalom and cage thank you so much for coming on and, and taking time out of your day to, to speak with us uh and let's do this again soon and absolutely mark nick and i down uh for kansas city we will absolutely be there 100%. 100%. This is a lot of thanks fun. for the invite thank you everyone <laughs>